Bibles to Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25. Recently I've been reading the Proverbs more than usual and reading through the Proverbs I was thinking about the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God in our lives which will make us wise. And then I was taken at how the New Testament uses the Proverbs. We're going to see a few places here in 25 and 27 of the Proverbs. I'm just going to show you a few things. If you don't know, the book of Proverbs is different than any other book of the Bible. It's just little statements of wisdom. It's not really like something you have to read as a whole. You don't need to try to cover all 31 chapters in one day. It's just lots of little snippets of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs, if you will. And y'all know what Proverbs are. Proverbs is something like you get on your fortune cookie when you go to a Chinese restaurant. Although that lately all my fortune cookie Proverbs have been really not helpful. <laughs> I'm not sure if those are jokes anymore or if they're really wisdom or what, but they're not necessarily uh, helpful to me. They seem to be kind of a shot in the dark. But I will tell you a proverb that I learned several years ago, and I really like it. It was called an African, African proverb, and it said, now this is not from the Bible, it's just a proverb that I guess that they have in Africa, and it said, the moon is more important than the sun because you need the light at night. Interesting, right? The sun you have every day, right? You can kind of count on that every day you will have light during daylight hours because of the sun. We never, we never worry whether that's going to be there. But the way the night goes, some nights it's really, really dark. And you have no light coming from the moon. Other nights, like the past couple nights, you have a big, bright, full moon with no clouds in the sky, and it is light enough at night that you can almost see. There have been many times in my life where we have continued playing the baseball game well into the night hours because the moon was so bright. Perhaps you've been outside at night and the moon will be so bright that you can clearly see your full shadow. The moonlight is so bright that you can see your shadow. And that's cool when the night is so clear and so lit up because the moon is so bright. That's what that African proverb is getting at, right? The moon is more important than the sun because you need the light at night. That's what proverbs are, just little statements like that. Well, the Bible is full of those. But they are proverbs from God, pieces of wisdom. We want to be wise. We need our wisdom. We want to have, we want to have understanding. We want to understand better. And so... The Proverbs are helpful. But, with it being the Word of God, we cannot take the Proverbs apart from the Gospel of Jesus and make any sense of them. They are to make us wise unto salvation. They are the wisdom of God that are lead us to being people of God. Have you ever asked somebody for advice? Just this week, I had to reach out to somebody I sent them a message and I said, you think we could talk in the next couple of days? I need your wisdom on something. I need your advice. You ever done that before, right? Sure. You call your mom, you call your dad, you call your friend, you call your neighbor, you call the person that you look up to, you, you, you have somebody that you look up to that you admire, and you say, hey, help me out here. 
I need some advice. I need some wisdom. You're, you're, you're asking them to, to, to help you think through how you can know something in a better way. I'm not talking about, and I think you know, that wisdom is not a talking about knowing more. Wisdom is knowing with understanding. And there's, there's a difference there. Well, the Bible offers up wisdom. That's what the Proverbs are. Look with me, if you will, at Proverbs chapter 25. At 25, it says, These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So it tells us that these are from Solomon. I just want to point out a couple. Number two, it is the, or verse 2, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. God knows everything. It's His glory to keep some things hidden. That's the way God is. We don't know everything that God knows. But kings are kind of the opposite. They want to understand everything. Just a little piece of wisdom there. Not, not necessarily a whole lot to it, but that, that's what it is. Jump over to verse 11 in Proverbs 25. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Neat thought. Apples of gold in a setting of silver would be, silver's nice, but gold is nicer. An apple is always represented as a, as a, as a nice, you know, exemplary type of fruit. So a, a golden apple in the midst of a, a bunch of silver would be, oh wow, that's nice. Wow, well, won't you look at that? In this pile of silver fruit, here's a golden apple. And so is a word fitly spoken. In other words, saying something at the right time. Something that needs to be said and saying it at the right time. I'm sure you have had somebody speak something to you at the right time that encouraged you, that meant something to you. And that's what this proverb's talking about. Have you ever found yourself saying something at the wrong time and thought, I shouldn't have said that? And then thought, well, it's true. And you say, yeah, it's true, but that's not the right time to say that. This is talking about a word fitly spoken. This is what the Proverbs are. Just little nuggets of wisdom. Look at verse 19. Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. Good word. If your life is stressful or hectic... You're going through a hard time or through a trial, which happens to everybody. Listening to the wrong people is e equivalent to a bad tooth, which hurts, or a foot that slips, which hurts you. In other words, when you are in a time of trouble, be careful who you're trusting. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful what advice or wisdom you're getting. Trust somebody that is trustworthy. Trust somebody who will steer you in the right direction. Trust somebody who will help you. This is what the Proverbs are. Just little nuggets of wisdom. Well, then you get to this one at verse 21. It says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Well, is that just a piece of wisdom? Because just general life advice doesn't seem to 
to go that way. At the beginning of the, of the sermon, I was telling you that the Proverbs are wisdom from God to be understood best by faith in Christ along with the Gospel. I want you to turn with me to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. In Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9, you have this neat little passage that just goes 9 to 21 on marks of the true Christian. We're going to start reading at Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says, this is one of my favorite passages. It says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now look at verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Everybody see that? This is Paul writing to the church of Rome in the book of Romans. And Paul here, in a list of marks of the true Christian, all of these things which in many ways you were thinking, oh, I like this, I like this, I like this. Paul now quotes the Proverbs. I think you saw the connection I'm making there. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 is a direct quote from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. So what Paul is doing is, you know, Paul preaches the gospel of Christ Paul is wanting us to be faithful followers of Christ. And when Paul starts to explain in Romans 12 what a real Christian looks like and what the characteristics are of Christian people, he taps into the wisdom that he knows from God in the Old Testament. We ought to be people who are able to think along the lines of the wisdom of God fits inside of the salvation that comes through Christ. There is not a way of life of dealing with people well apart from understanding God as God. As God as our Father in Heaven. As Jesus as our Lord. As God as a Savior. The way that we treat people is to treat them the way God does. Here in that proverb, he says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. Your enemy. This isn't some weird advice. This is the way God says for His people to be. Because it is a reflection to, to the world of the way God is to us. Oftentimes you have people thinking that the wisdom of God is just common sense or the wisdom of God is natural. 
But the, the gospel would teach us that it's more than that. The Bible would teach us that it's more than that. Paul, writing in Romans, quoting from Proverbs 25. Let's go a little bit further. Proverbs 25, 24. I love to point this out, but my wife's not here tonight, so it may go bad. It's better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. This is often in the Proverbs. If you turn over to 27, 15... It says, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. The Proverbs tell us a lot about the quarrelsome wife. Now, I'm going to go ahead and speak for all of us men and say that wives are not quarrelsome on their own. We make them quarrelsome, okay? So women, it's not your fault. It's our fault. But yeah, these are things that the, new, that, that, that the, that the Bible teaches. Advice, wisdom for us. Look at 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And if you've experienced yourself lacking discipline, I'm sure you've felt like that before. Your life, your soul feels like I'm a city that has been taken over. I don't have control of myself. And yet, self-control, which all of us can think about, whether we have a job or whether it's waking up early or playing a sport or working out or our eating habits or whatever it might be, self-control we know to be a fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament, right? In Galatians chapter 5, you have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In which the New Testament would say that people don't have self-control in a real full sense until the Spirit comes and enables them to say... I'm going to get control of my life in the areas that are out of control of my life by the power of God for God's sake. Now, every one of us have self-control in some areas. You know, the people that wake up early look down on people that don't wake up early. And the people that are skinny look, at, look down on the people that are, that are overweight and we think, well, I'm, I'm not that way. But it's not a fullness of spirit-driven self-control. The Bible and the Proverbs teaches that self-control or the lack of, is shameful. I feel it and it's hurtful. I feel like a city that's been broken into and left without walls. I'm not able to be what I want to be. And the New Testament carries that over and says, you can't be what you want to be apart from God. This is the wisdom of God. There is no, I'm just going to get better at it. Maybe some little areas of your life, but not the fullness. And our conscience bothers us all in the same when we get better at this area and yet neglect this area. That's not how we want to be. We don't want to be those people that spend time with our kids and neglect our finances. And in turn, be the person who gets our finances figured out, but at the sake of our kids, neglected our kids. We don't want to be those people that are able to prioritize a clean house, but not being involved with our church. Or being involved in our church and having a filthy house. The idea of self-control is in the Bible. 
Proverbs speak about it with wisdom that a man ought to have self-control. The New Testament would say that's through the Holy Spirit. The person who bows the knee to God and says, God, will you forgive me of my sins? Would you have mercy on me? Finds themselves resting in the wisdom of God and having self-control. Skip over to chapter 27. Chapter 27, verse 2 is one of my favorites. I use this one with sports teams about every year. It says, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Isn't this a good verse? A little bit of wisdom? We're not to be people that toot our own horns, right? If we're good enough, everybody else will talk about it. None of us need anybody to tell us that UK has more wins than anybody else. We know that. We don't need LeBron James to tell us that he's the best player in basketball right now. We know that. Them saying that only seems to be self-serving. We know you are. We've seen it. And the Proverbs would teach us, you don't need to brag about yourself. You don't have to praise yourself. Well, we think about that in light of the New Testament. Well, the New Testament says, the Gospel says, that my identity is in Christ. That God loves me not based off whether I'm good or not. Whether I'm bad or not. God loves me. Christ died for me. My sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven because of what Jesus has done. There is no way that anybody could stop that. I'm approved in Christ. The need for me to continue to tell you good things about me is seeking your approval. Seeking your attention. So the wisdom of the Proverbs in not praising ourselves is really getting at a security that comes from God alone. We often find our insecurities reaching for false security. Is that not the world we live in? Insecure people looking for false security? Proverbs 27.2 says, Let other people praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Which leads us to that. Look at verse 1 of 27. Do not boast about tomorrow... For you do not know what a day may bring. You've probably heard this before. Turn to the book of James in the New Testament. The book of James in the New Testament. Kind of hard to find. It's after Hebrews. It's small. There's only five chapters. It's before 1 Peter. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Look what it says. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James, writing about the direction of our lives and the future and our goals, our ambitions, quotes Proverbs 27.1. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. The life of a Christian is, I'm trusting God. I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but my trust is in Him. The truth is, my day could go as routine as possible. Wake up, take the kids to school, go to work, work all day, come home, go to the ball field, and that normal day. That's what it could be. Or any of a million different unexpected interruptions could come. And you know that. Why would we talk like I know what's going to happen tomorrow without resting in what God is doing and leading me? It is a teaching of the Bible to say, if the Lord wills, and that's what James is getting at. That's what he says here. But in saying, if the Lord wills, he quotes Proverbs 27, 1, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. It is a wisdom from the Proverbs, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. This is wisdom of life. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. But in saying that we don't know what tomorrow will bring, it carries over to Christianity. Do we trust the Lord? And the person that thinks that way is being influenced by their trusting in the Lord. So what we're trying to do here tonight is to see that the wisdom of the Old Testament, the wisdom of the Proverbs is used in the, in the New Testament, thought of in the New Testament, to be essential to Christianity for believers in Christ. Turn to James chapter 1. Stay in James. Turn to James chapter 1. This is what we read at the beginning. The Proverbs are wisdom. The Proverbs are, are us saying... Or God saying, here's how life makes sense. Wow, that's helpful. And yet, life doesn't make sense without God. Us being committed to Christ. You see this here at James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James 1 teaches us that God gives wisdom. Wisdom is an understanding of life, but wisdom from God only comes to the person who believes. And believing admits, I need the wisdom of God. I don't have the wisdom of God. I don't understand life. I need God to give me understanding for life. The Bible teaches us that God's whole plan 
was to have people that would worship Him. From the beginning to the end, that's God's plan. The way He goes about it is something none of us would have ever thought of. It's the great discussion that happens all the time. Why does God do it the way that He does it? And some people with good intentions, but in the wrong way, throw out that, well, he, he had this plan, but Adam and Eve messed the whole thing up when they sinned in the garden, they listened to the snake, they disobeyed God, and they ate the fruit. Yet God teaches us that, that it was His plan. To be a Savior of people. That God's plan is to have a worshiping people and He did not want to just create a people that worship Him. God created a people to worship Him who chose not to worship Him so that God then had enemies with the whole world. And then He said in His love, I'll do a redeeming work. I'll send my son Jesus to die on the cross. And when Jesus dies on the cross, He will take the world's sins and die for them. They will, they will kill Him. He will die for them. After three days, I'll raise Him back up. Empty tomb, risen from the grave. Power of sin and the devil and death defeated. And the risen One who died for sins will now reign forever as Lord, God, Savior, King, Holy One, Redeemer. And the people that believe that, the people that believe that will be people who know their God as those who have turned their lives from I didn't understand to now I do. I thought life was about me. I thought life was about happiness. I thought life was about me trying to better myself. I'm okay with saying it is about all those things in light of it being about God making all those things happen. But we don't get those wisdom nuggets we don't get those proverbs until we see them in light of the gospel. You ever tried to give advice to somebody who wouldn't take it? You ever been given advice and you didn't listen to it? Some time passes and you thought, I should have listened. You ever had to tell somebody, I told you so? You ever had somebody tell you, I told you so? It's because wisdom and advice don't, don't connect with us until we're connected to God. Some may, but as a whole it doesn't. When we come to wanting to make sense of life, whatever your need for wisdom might be, may it be rooted in, I need God. I need God's forgiveness. I need God's direction. I need God's fatherhood in my life. I need God's lordship in my life. I need God's authority in my life. And in that, may we find ourselves understanding more and more, here's what God says about life. One of the things that the Proverbs teach is that gray hair is a sign of wisdom. You've heard this before. The gray hair is a sign of wisdom. 
It doesn't mean that everybody with gray hair is smart. And it doesn't mean that everybody with gray hair is wise. But it does mean, generally speaking, that the longer you've lived, the more you understand life. The more you should have. God wants it to be that way. God wants it to be that the longer we live, the more we've understood Him. And so wisdom makes sense. The neat thing about the Proverbs is that every one of us, everyone, regardless of where we're at, every one of us are seeking wisdom. We're seeking to understand life better. And there's a lot of wisdom out there, a lot of advice. Whether you eat your fortune cookies or not, most people always crack them open to read it. We're seeking the wisdom and advice. But hear me. The wisdom doesn't connect until we find ourselves anchored in God, which comes through Jesus. May you be somebody surrendered to the Lord and therefore soaking up His wisdom. And may we not be so foolish or ignorant or blind to miss out on being wise because we haven't surrendered ourselves to God. Let's be followers of Christ with Christ as Lord and therefore those ready to soak up the Proverbs in His wisdom. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Billy Graham made it very popular to read one a day. Today's the 30th. Read Proverbs 30 today. Tomorrow's the 31st. Read chapter 31 of Proverbs there. But as you read Seeking the Wisdom of God, be a person who's a believer in Jesus. Therefore, understanding life and therefore growing all the more wiser. Let's pray together.